0: Um, there is this idea in, it's not just in America, but it's an American, it's, it's here in our world. It's the idea of the crossroads, coming to a crossroad in our life, coming to a point in life where there's a decision to be made. And you feel the weight knowing that whatever I choose right here can affect the rest of my life going forward. This moment can lead me two different directions. There's a famous poem that catches this feeling by Robert Frost. He says, two roads diverge in the wood and I took the one less traveled by and that has made all the difference. Maybe you're not a poetry person. There's a movie I watched when I was a kid that I loved. It's called Scent of a Woman. With Al Pacino. Yeah. <laughs> and it might be, the very end of that movie, might be one of the greatest, like some movies have like a speech at the end. Center of Woman* might be the best, the greatest end of movie speech of all time. And Pacino says these words. I remember as a young man listening to him say this, and it caught, it, my heart caught in my throat. I'm going to do this in my best Al Pacino voice for you. So here we go. Now I've come to the crossroad of my life. I always knew what the right path was. Without exception, I knew. But I never took it. You know why? It was too dang hard. I remember he said that in the he said that said that line in the movie, I'm watching, and I found it fascinating. He's saying, Man, I have always known, I came to the crossroads, I always knew which path I should take, and I never did it. It just cost too much. It was too hard. So he instead chose to do the easy path. He instead chose to let the, kind of like let the, let what? His life just kind of usher him towards a place. Today we talk about the crossroads. We're in 1 Peter 4. We were in this, we've been in Peter's letter now for like three months. Peter is an apostle of Jesus. Peter is one of the first followers of Jesus. Peter's a fisherman who became. A follower of Jesus, uh, Peter is not a college grad. Peter is not a brilliant man. He's a blue-collar dude. And one day he meets Jesus, Jesus says, "Listen, follow me and become fishes of men." And Peter leaves his dad's business and follows Christ around. That must have been something awesome to explain to his wife. <laughs> going home. Hey, baby, I quit my job today. Why? I got this great gig. It pays nothing and I'll be gone most every night of the week. It's going to be awesome. Um, but he follows Christ around, Peter does. And he becomes kind of like the de facto leader of the disciples. In this letter of Peter, he's trying to tell everyone who follows Jesus, he's trying to tell us all, listen, he's like, he's trying to tell us all that if you follow Jesus, you are essentially like a stranger in the world. You're, you're like a, a foreigner, an immigrant. If you're with Jesus and you live in this, for him, this Roman world, you don't fit in. That's the way it's going to be. So he's gone through all these ideas and he gets this part he says, listen, verse 4-1, therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose because Jesus went through this, have the same attitude in you, arm yourself with the same purpose because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. What does this mean? When he says that Christ suffered, it doesn't mean that Christ suffered like we all suffer. It doesn't mean that just the, the suffering that happens from being a person in the world. When it says here, Christ suffered in the flesh, Peter is talking about the cross. Peter's saying, listen, because Jesus suffered on the cross, sin has stopped. And this is the claim about Christianity. This is the whole crux of the matter. I'm reading this book for college. It's like 800 pages long. Like when, you get, when you buy a book for school and it's a big one, it's always so disheartening. Um, you just always pray for the little books. And this was a big book. It's called Dominion by Dr. Tom Holland, not Spider-Man. It's a British guy named Dr. Holland. And this book, I, I was reading it last night before bed, And this guy is a historian. He's not a Christian. He's not a believer in Jesus. But he studied the effects of the Christian worldview on Western civilization. It's a fascinating read. And the first, the intro of the book, he's all talking about crucifixion in Rome. How the Romans, crucifixion was for slaves. It was because Rome had slaves from around the entire world living in the city of Rome. And how do you keep all these random cultures from uprising and killing you? Like the rich people were like, "How do we keep all these random people we conquered we've conquered? How do we keep them in their place?" They said, "You know what we'll do. If anyone of even got a place, we'll kill them in the most brutal way possible." And they create this thing called crucifixion, and it's nasty. It's so brutal. Few Roman historians write about it. No one talks about it because one of those like dirty little secrets like, yeah, we do do this, but don't tell anybody. We just do it to keep everybody in line. It's kind of awful. But somehow this thing the Romans are ashamed of, this thing that no one talks about becomes a symbol for peoples around the world of hope. It's a weird thing. How does Christianity, how does the cross go from being this shameful, embarrassing thing we do to kill slaves to an icon of hope for billions of people on the planet? It says here, Christ suffered in the flesh, and he, because of he suffered in the flesh, sin has ceased. When we say we're for Jesus. We speak Jesus. We don't tell people, be a good little boy or good little girl. That's not our message. We're not trying to shame anybody. I'm not trying to guilt anybody. It's Not our message. Our message instead is very, is very different. We say to people, because Jesus died on the cross, and because Jesus died in our place, Something mysterious happens upon that cross. Jesus' goal for my life is not for me to be Ernesto 2.0. I'm not the iPhone 15, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, every year the iPhone gets a little bit better. A little more memory this year. The screen is 0.2 inches bigger. Oh, like, that's not the goal of Christianity. Christianity is to make you a better version of yourself. Instead, Christ invites anyone to come with him. He says, listen... If you come with me, essentially, old you's gonna die. And I'm gonna raise up out of you something new, a new creation. All that, whew, all that baggage, all that trauma, all that hate, there are things in this life that are impossible to heal from. Impossible to heal from. I was talking to a lady this week. And she told me a story about how something horrible happened to her family. That someone hurt one of her children. Now I'm sitting there hearing her story. And as a counselor, I can't just cry because I don't want to hurt the person telling the story. But it's a terrible story. What happened to her, her, her child is unjust and wrong. She talked about how she hated the person who hurt her family. For years, it just it ate her up, the hate she had. And I'm like, this. I understand these words. I know bitterness. I know hate. I know rage. She said, one day, I was reading about Jesus on the cross, where he looked at the people who were killing him and mocking him, and he said the words. He prayed the prayer, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And she goes, I knew in that moment I had to forgive this person from my family. And I was like, What? She wrote this person a letter in prison. Forgave them. I asked her, How did you do this? Like, because in my mind, that's that's an impossible mountain to climb. I got two little kids, I got a 12 year old and a 10 year old. And if someone hurt them, the rage, how great would it be, right? you hurt mine, I'm going to hurt yours. But this woman was she's a follower of Christ, and Christ made her new. Gave her a new heart, and she forgave the unforgivable, and it brought peace to her whole family. Jesus did not come to make us better. He came to make us new. He introduces, in verse 2, two I guess, paths for us to take. Here's the crossroads. Here's the reality. For Peter and for those who follow Jesus, for those of us in the world, I should say, the cross is the crossroads. The cross gives us a choice of what am I going to do with my life? How am I going to live my life? And this is, here's the choices. Here's my choices. He says, arm yourselves also with the same purpose that Jesus had. Either, verse 2, so as, to no longer, so as to no longer live the rest of your time, the rest of your life. So as to no longer live the rest of the time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. And here's the two choices. The lusts of the flesh or the will of God. Those are the choices. Here's the two paths. Let's unpack the language. Because they're, little, they're hard ideas. Lust of the flesh simply means human passions. Path number one, the first choice I can make, I see the cross, I see the Christ, I see that Christ died that I may live, and I have a choice to make. I could choose to ignore that reality and live for my human passions. And most of us do this. What's going to make me happy? What do I feel like today? And I live and I use my emotions as my compass. It's my true north. It's a very dangerous thing for us to do. I was reading this book by Francis Spooford. Um, Spooford? I don't know. I, just, I can spell it, I can't pronounce it. But Francis Spooford, he's steakin'. He's a, a, a London journalist. And where he works, he's a journalist for a big time magazine, a big time newspaper. And there, aren't many, there are like basically no Christians where he works. In the world he lives in, Christianity is pretty mocked openly. It's kind of a dumb thing to believe in. Some people that are too smart for their own good think that Christianity is just for the weak and the, and the poor. So everyone has this, this assumption, but he believes still. He wrote a book about it called Unapologetic. Don't read it. <laughs> it's like a drunk C.S. Lewis wrote it. So it's a really odd book. It's, like, it's, just really, it's really funny, but it's... Uh, it's not very sacred, but I loved it. In the book, he says, I'm just saying, I mean, I mean, I like drunk philosophers, I guess, but he says that Christianity is the only thing he's ever encountered that makes, this, makes sense of human nature. He says, in, in human nature, we have this thing inside of us, this, this human propensity to mess things up. Like, for us, sin is not merely I like you know, lied to someone I love. but We do things in life that are actually self-destructive. We hurt ourselves all the time. We make choices against our own best interests. It's crazy. It's crazy how mean we are to ourselves. We do things that blow our own lives up, and not only do we do it, we like doing it. There's a quote from the book. He says this, We are truly cruel as well as truly tender, truly loving at the same time, truly likely to take a quick, nasty little pleasure in wasting or breaking love, scorching it knowingly up as the fuel of some hotter or more exciting feeling. It's true. We can be a beautiful person and a brutal person back to back. It's weird how we're this way. I can go home after a hard day, and in my heart, I'm thinking to myself I drive home, oh, I can't wait to see my wife, my kids. I'm going to go home. I'm going I'm to give my wife a hug. I'm going to tell my kids I love them. And so we feel all these good feelings. We pull in. And instead of doing any of those things, you know what we do? We complain. We gripe. We nitpick. We download the stress of our day about the people we love the most. And we're like, wow. I remember being a kid. There was this movie I watched. You might have seen it too. It's called Die Hard. Um, and the movie Die Hard, there's this great scene um, where Bruce Willis... Goes to visit his, his wife, and she's happy to see him. And she's like, she says to him, I missed you. I've missed you. And in that moment, instead of receiving the compliment, instead of saying, oh, I missed you too, she's using her maiden name in the movie. And he just goes, have you missed my name, though, have you? And a fight starts in the movie. And she leaves the room all mad, and as soon as she leaves, he just goes, why am I so stupid? Looks in the mirror, like, why am I so stupid? I remember that scene, Something like, I thought to myself, why are we like this? We're complete idiots, and as soon as it's over, we're like, I don't want to be an idiot. They come back in the room, I become an idiot again. It's, it's crazy how self-destructive we truly are. I remember once I was visiting a guy in the hospital. He just had a heart attack. He was called a widow maker, you've heard of this? It's a, it's a bad one. boom! And he lived, he was near people, they saved him. Doctor comes in and says, patient, you must change your diet or you're going to die. You must change what you eat or it's going to kill you. But it's, so it's me, the wife, and the guy, and the doctor leaves. Looks at his wife he just goes, I ain't doing none of that. I ain't doing none of that stuff. I don't care if it kills me, I'm not going to give up hamburgers. I'm not going to do it. This is who we are. We do things that hurt our own lives over and over again and this is the first path is just basically I am I live for my emotions I just do whatever feels right at the moment no matter the vows I've made no matter the promises I've made no matter the people I hurt I'm going to do what I want because I'm the star of my story and a lot of us live this way that's the first path Peter says this he goes verse 3 he says but the time is already. the time already passed is sufficient for you to have worked out this desire. He's saying, listen, how long do you need? How much longer are you going to live this way, letting your heart be your guide, and you keep on blowing your life up? I work with addicts a lot, people that are addicted to different substances. And um, one of my... Good friends got clean. And he was clean for like three months. So it was very new to him. And most of his friends were still using. They were using things that were to get him killed. And he said to me, he said, one of his friends, Odin, didn't die. Someone at Narcan saved his life. And he said to me, what's it going to take for them to wake up I'm like, I don't know, for some people, they always talk about rock bottom. Some of us, rock bottom is the grave. Some of us can blow our lives up and still don't learn nothing. Peter's like, how long until we go, man, this life I'm living isn't working. What I'm doing, what I'm chasing is bringing pain into my life, not happiness, not joy, not peace. So So the cross is there at the crossroads, and first choice, I can choose Just live my life according to human passions. I'm going to do whatever I feel like, whenever I feel like. I don't care for the consequences. There's another way, though. He says, you live for the flesh or for the will of God. The will of God. Now, this is a tough thing to, to live this way because here's the deal. If you choose to live by the will of God, you're saying essentially, I'm not the star of the movie. Like, if, like over here, this first path, I am the main character. I'm Al Pacino, okay? I'm the star of the movie. But in this over here, this other movie, I'm a, I am a sticking extra in this movie. If you, live, if you live for the will of God, you're saying this is God's story I'm just a part of it in some small way. I'm not in charge. I'm not the king. I'm not the one driving. I'm a part of what God is doing, and I trust him. There's this movie I watched last weekend called Guardians of the Galaxy Part 3. I'm not going to spoil it. Don't worry. I know it's a brand-new movie. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. There's this beautiful moment in the film, beautiful moment in the film. One of the characters... is asking the question, this evil person did this evil thing to us, how could they? How could this evil person hurt us so badly? And the other character says, don't worry about them. There's hands behind the hands. I almost said amen in the theater. I'm like, that's true! There are hands behind the hands. There's, there's someone who's moving reality forward. Even in the midst of the chaos, someone is bringing the world towards some kind of conclusion. Listen, if you choose to live for the will of God, you're saying there are hands behind the hands, and I'm going to trust God. I'm going to obey his commands. I'm going to live for his story. There's this uh, famous German guy named Count Zuzendorf who once said, he said, Preach the gospel, die, be forgotten. I like that a lot. He's saying it's not about you. It's not about you. Now listen, it's Mother's Day. A lot of you moms get this. Because being a mom's a thankless job in the world. Sacrifice. My wife's not here, so I, I, can, I can talk her up a little bit. Um, it's very common. How do you say it? I'm a pastor, so I get to like go places and do things. I speak publicly. People always give me high fives. Oh, pastor, it was a good sermon. They should come into this event you came to. I get a lot of thank yous from people. My wife's behind the scenes doing things. My wife, as a mom, she... Just take, like, our kids, Me, we have two kids, they're good kids. You guys know them. They're just sweet. A sweet boy, sweet girl. And a lot of that's because their mama sacrifices so much for those two. When they're sick, she's up late. My my wife read Lena um, her Bible every night before bed. I'd often work late and wouldn't be home. And one night, as Angie's Reading our kid the Bible, my daughter was like, Ma, I want Jesus to rescue me from my sin. And she prayed a prayer that night and confessed Jesus as her Lord, and she's been a follower of Christ ever since. But there's no award for that. No one is, there's no book or movie about her. She does that behind the scenes because she has been called by God to love the children God gave her. Choosing to live for the will of God is essentially choosing to die to yourself. That's what it's choosing to do. I'm dying to myself. I'm putting the things of God, His commands, above my own wants. Even if my heart says this, I'm doing it God's way. I'll give you a dumb example, a really dumb example. <laughs> um, this weekend, a new video game came out. Woo! But listen, I don't play much video games, but I love games that remind me of being a kid. You ever do that nostalgia thing where you play something, it reminds you of being a little kid? I love games that remind me of being a little kid. So I buy the game on Friday, and my thought is, this weekend, it's Ernesto and video games. I got no family, I got no church, I got Nintendo, and that's it. That was my goal for the weekend. So I go home, I buy the game. And it's uh, Angie's mom's birthday. She's like, We gotta go see my mom. And I was like, I do gotta go nowhere. <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta play this video game. But you gotta be part of a family, right? So it's like, All right. I'm like, Well, if you we do that, I'll lose an hour, but it's fine, it's fine. We go there, took more than an hour, come home. And it's Friday, and on Friday, we, we always dinner as a family. So the kids are like, We want Chipotle today. So I'm like, I gotta go to Chipotle, get the Chipotle. So I go to Chipotle, I'm driving fast. I'm like, If I get back at this time, I have this much time to play video games. I get home, and the kid's like, we watch a movie today, Dad. It's it's movie night for the family. I'm like, no! Like, All I want to do is be selfish and just not love anyone. (laughs) That's all I want. Is that so hard? But you know what? I looked looked at my kids, and I'm like, we had a couple busy weeks. And we haven't watched a movie together in like three weeks. So we watched this awesome Mexican movie called Chupa. Really good. And it was great. But it meant laying this thing I wanted down and saying, you know what? God's given me this family. I have to put them before my own needs sometimes. Living according to the will of God means I'm doing it God's way even if I don't like it. It means dying to self. And dying is hard. Saying no to self is hard. Forgiving people is hard. Loving people's inconvenient. <laughs> when I pull in sometimes at home and I'm tired, there'll be a neighbor out in the yard. I just want to like, like, don't talk to me, don't talk to me. just want to get in my house and be alone. They'll be like, hey, Nesto. And I'm like, we got to talk now. <laughs> Loving people's inconvenient. It's inconvenient. It gets in the way of life. Listen, God's way is good. It's good. As a family, we have a rule, me and the kids, that whenever we see someone broke down, we pull over and help push their car to the road. And Flint happens a lot. <laughs> it happens a lot in our city. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of beaters on our roads. It's inconvenient. It slows you down. I remember once I was, I was passing in, in Waterford, Michigan, and a family visited the church. And they, after church, they're like, you know why we're here? I'm like, because, I don't know, because you saw our building, you pulled in. And this old man told me a story. He goes, man, years ago, it was a winter night, and my beloved daughter crashed her car into a ditch down Airport Road. She said, these two red guys came out of nowhere and pushed her car out of the ditch. I'm like, was that me? <laughs> and it was me and Tony. We pushed her out of sick, and she told us what happened and been, we heard you were back in town and we came here to visit. That simple act of service bore seeds and fruit that echoed throughout time. Choosing to live in the will of God is a harder path. It is a sacrificial path. It is a painful path. It is easier to just do what we feel like doing. It is hard to say, my feelings are crazy. I'm going to instead submit to the God of heaven. That's a harder path. But that path, choosing to follow Jesus, it's hard, but I think it's the only way possible to get peace in this life. I think this way, there's quick fixes, but quick fixes, that go away the next day, don't they? We have a decision to make when it comes to the cross. Is it my way, or is it God's way? Am I the king, or is God the king? Am I the queen, or is God the king? And here's a free one for you. You may think you're the king or queen of your life, but that crown you're wearing it's from Burger King, yo. Like, you're not really the king of anything. I'm just saying. You're not really in charge of nothing. You think you got power, and you don't. Listen, my, my, kid, my kid, we got to, we stopped at BK. We haven't been to BK in 15 years, but they have a new commercial out. That, that, that Whopper, Whopper, Whopper commercial. And my kids are like, the Crucials, let's go to Burger King. I'm like, stinking commercial. Uh, so we went there and got a crown and my, my son loved it. What are you going to do? So our, our, our simple challenge to you is this. Which path will you choose? Are you the star? Or is God the star? I encourage you to make the choice to follow Jesus. With that said, let us pray together. Father, heaven, thank you so much for this day. For all those that are here, for those watching online, it is hard to die to ourselves, O oh Lord. It is hard to love others. It is hard to forgive. It is hard to care. It's hard to open our heart up after it's been hurt so many times. It's hard. But we believe your way is the best way. Lord, move in our hearts and help us choose you this day. In Christ's name we ask all these things. Amen.